0: Welcome to Inside Track, brought to you by Chiltern Railways. I'm Emma Gascoigne, and I recently went out on the Chiltern network to find out some of the burning questions that other rail users have. And in this podcast, we're getting the answers to them. Over the past four episodes, we've had many guests, including the MD of Chiltern Railways. Today, we're answering your questions about improvements. We'll also be getting the Inside Track on Wi-Fi from iCamera. In the studio now, we're joined by George Copeland, who is the Digital Train Programme Manager at Arriva UK Trains. Hi, Emma. And Customer Service Director, Alan Riley.
1: Hi,
2: Emma.
0: Thanks for both joining us on Inside Track. George Copeland, you've joined us on the show to help us with providing answers to questions in certain areas such as Wi-Fi. So thanks for doing that, because we've had quite a lot of questions on on Wi-Fi. What is it that you do at Arriva UK Trains?
1: So as as the job title suggests, I'm a project and programme manager. I've been running projects for, for quite a long time mostly oriented towards IT. And a digital train is basically a train with a, an IT network on it.
0: And you were telling me earlier that you enjoy travelling. Well, what kind of places have you been to?
1: Okay, so um, I've just come back from India, actually, on a holiday. I, I love India. That's it's probably the third time I've been there. But uh, my wife and I both uh, really enjoy travelling. And, and Getting there is all part of the holiday as far as we're concerned.
0: And when you're there, do you, do you try out the transport?
1: Well, I do, but India is the only place that I've been that I wouldn't
2: drive. I don't understand the rules. Well, I've been to India as well, George. I don't think there's any rules when driving in (laughs) India.
0: And Alan, so this episode is one particularly close to your heart. You were telling me a little while ago about the fact that you're proud of all the investment that Chiltern has made to improving the line.
2: Well, well, I'm particularly excited about this episode, Emma. I think it's about customers asking us about what improvements we're going to make. uh, And some of these are quite specific. So I think that's really interesting to hear what's at the forefront of our customers' mind. And what they're thinking we should invest in and it's quite broad in places so so that that's that's really exciting i feel in terms of investment i mean we've made substantial investment over the years we've opened new routes if you think of oxford parkway Bister village george sitting next to me here that really brings to mind that you know we were one of the first operators to offer free wi-fi and that was a, a huge success and has continued to be so for a long time we've always focused on our, our station facilities the, the the comfort on board and always invested heavily in that uh, and we invest in around the ops and infrastructure to make sure that we keep high levels of punctuality so so there's a lot there and, and we continue to invest and I think that the key bit for me is understanding what what do people want how can we make life easier for people how do we make and create a more comfortable journey uh, and then it's our job really to facilitate that and make it happen so so really excited about today really excited to hear what do people want from us? What are they seeing as their pain points or areas to improve? And then it's really my role and our role to make that happen.
0: Let's get our first question then. Are there going to be any improvements in terms of accessibility? So for wheelchair users when using a train um, and booking assistance when getting on and off the trains? So that question came to us from a lady in Banbury who was telling me actually that she travels quite a lot on the, on the railway, mainly up north. Alan, what's the process now for booking assistance? And do you have any improvements planned at Chiltern?
2: Absolutely. Um, well, the process at the minute is we have, so we have turn up and go stations where you can turn up and we'll always help you and make sure that you get on the train that you're aiming to get. We, we have a phone line where you can phone up and book assistance. So you have a confirmed slot at our stations. For me, we're looking at a couple of things on this at the moment. It's really important that we improve this area and keep focusing on it. I think it, it's so important to customers who use assistance lines. They rely on us so much. We, we just have to get it right and we, and we have to make it as easy as possible. The areas I'm focused on really looking at at the moment you know, include one, I've just commissioned a group of customers who have accessibility needs and they're mystery shopping our entire route. So they're going to feed back to us on what are the pain points, where can we improve and that will lead into a plan for 2020 to really make those improvements and make life as easy as possible. So we're really looking at our unmanned stations and how we make it easy for people to use to travel to or travel from a station where we don't have people there. So we're working for our plans now and how we're going to make that happen because that makes it more accessible for not only the unmanned station but those smaller communities that we have on our route. So I think there's a lot of plans underway and soon we'll know more to really make further plans from the work that we've commissioned.
0: That all sounds really positive, and it's great to hear.
2: Yeah, well, I think we've just got to recognise the dependency that some people will have on us making it easy for them. Uh, and the end result, what we're looking for here is, you know, the, the ultimate aim is there's no difference in anyone travelling. It's just easy for everyone. They can turn up, we can help them on a train, and then people are on their way. So we've just got to make it seamless for every customer who wants to access our network.
1: Yeah, so I, I was at Leamington Spa Station this morning, and I travel around the train network quite a lot and I'm always impressed by um, the uh, how keen the Chiltern staff are to uh, to look after people. And it was amazing this morning to to see a, a very constant procession of, of people coming in that needed assistance and the guys there were busy up and down the lift with wheelchairs and ramps and, and stuff pretty much constantly for the whole time I was there.
0: And is that because of the training that you give people?
2: I think there's probably two parts to it. All of our customer-facing teams will go through significant training to make sure that that there's a really clear understanding on on how to approach and what support customers might need, Um, but whilst also remembering it's still a very personal service to anyone we are helping. And and I think we always we, we get this feedback a lot. We always try and have just nice people. Yeah, they are people, people, and they just want to help. And, and the feedback we get from our customers is that our teams are really warm, they're really friendly, and they, they really want to help and do the right thing. And I think they build a relationship, especially if they, use, if they come to our stations a lot. And over time, they really have close bonds between our teams and, and people using the assistance. So, so I think it's the two areas, really, that, that make it a positive outcome.
0: Okay, well, let's get our next question now.
2: Why can't we have an app that allows us to claim refunds while sat on the train that's delayed rather than have to think about it uh, a few days later and have to fill in forms?
0: So that question was from High Wycombe Station. So Alan Riley, how can customers claim refunds?
2: Well, Well, firstly, our aim is to really eradicate the being delayed part of that. So we want to minimise that bit. If you go onto our website, there's a link there that takes you through relatively easy process where you put in your details and and you attach your ticket to that and you attach a photo of the ticket so we've tried to make it as easy as possible but we recognize actually there's still another step here Uh, and it's probably worth george commenting on this because we're we're really looking at how we make technology work for us and then make it really easy for the customer yes i
1: mean and, and we can do that in this case by um automating the, the validation for us so that we know that it, it's a valid claim and also making it easier for the customer to, to make that claim in the first place. And we, we need to match up some various bits of information to do that. It makes life a lot easier if we know from where that claim came. So we need to know where somebody is or we need to know where the train that they're on is and also where that train is in relation to where it ought to be and there are a number of industry databases that help us do that and the, the the first part is to get the location of the train and all of our trains have got gps but that then needs to be matched against timetable and changes to the timetable and disruptions to the timetable so that we can see that a train is running late once we know the train's running late somebody makes a claim while they're on the train we can tell that they're on that train and it just makes life a whole lot easier
0: Thank you both for, for clarifying that. Let's take our next question now, which comes from a keen cyclist at Marleybone Station. Are there any plans to make it easier to take your bike on a train? So, Alan Riley, do you have any planned improvements in this area?
2: Well, well, it's, it's quite difficult on the train, and really because, because of the, the room a bike might take up would limit capacity uh, for the customers. So, so it is challenging. Where we've really focused on this is what can we do at stations. So if you want to cycle to the station or from the station, what can we do there? So we're going through a scheme now of increasing the amount of cycle racks and improving the facilities at different stations. So customers of Warwick Parkway might have seen uh, only last year that we we built new cycle racks there. So we've got state-of-the-art facilities there, and we've done that across multiple stations. Uh, I'm delighted, really, we're about to uh, start works at London Marlebone, and I think we do need an improved cycle facility there. And we're also doing the same at Aylesbury, and this will continue. So we're really supportive. We think it's it's good not only for green credentials, but it's just a good way of commuting to and from a station. So we want to get this right. And I'll be interested in more feedback as we continue this rollout on how we can make these cycle facilities better.
0: I've always been impressed with your cycle facilities, actually, because you, you, you're making use of the space available.
2: Yeah, and we'll look to continue doing that. So the new ones at bone it's all about making an efficient use of space at the station, but in areas that are convenient for customers to use. Um, and I think we've got the, the balance right there at the Bone, And I think at other stations, I mean, Bista Village is a good example where we've just had to, the need is so great, we've had to put additional facilities in and we'll continue looking around the route and saying, okay, where do we need to keep driving those improvements?
0: This sounds exciting and something that you're obviously doing a lot on. Still to come, we've got more questions on improvements and a discussion about this.
1: What was the first railway line in the UK?
0: But now we're going to listen to a short insight into Wi-Fi with ICamera, who provide the onboard Wi-Fi for Chiltern Railways. I've come to Cambridge to speak to Jenny Brown at ICamera to get the lowdown on Wi-Fi. Firstly, Jenny, who are ICamera?
3: iCamira are the world's leading provider of passenger Wi-Fi on public transport vehicles, including trains, buses, coaches, tram and ferries.
0: Something that a lot of customers wonder is how is it actually possible for you to be able to provide Wi-Fi for hundreds of passengers on the move?
3: Many customers are using their morning and evening commute to carry out digital chores, such as paying bills, renewing insurance policies. But those who attempt to directly access the internet using their personal smart devices, mobile data connection, i.e. bypassing onboard Wi-Fi, they often experience a limited service. There are a couple of reasons for this. Most trains are Faraday cages, grounded metal screen shielding equipment. Even the windows on trains have a metal layer protecting them. This makes it very difficult for customers' wireless devices to find the signal provided by their single chosen mobile cellular network operator while travelling. customer's personal cellular network provider of choice is unlikely to offer a comprehensive mobile coverage for the entirety of the vehicle's route. So the signal strength will vary, causing the data packets to be delayed or lost. This means a slow web page load at times, or video buffering, broken VPN tunnels and dropped conference calls. How do we solve this? We need to bypass the Faraday cage effect. So when an onboard connectivity solution is installed by ICamera, we put external antennas on the vehicle's roof. So that captures the maximum possible capacity from the mobile network. We use a multiple SIMs from the mobile operators along the route, so we deliver to the passengers the best possible solution along the, the train itself. So on each train, we'll install one or more routers containing multiple SIM cards from many cellular network providers. So traditionally, even a multi-SIM router can only connect to one cell tower or mobile network at a time. But that's not very useful when a train is travelling between cell towers of speeds of 100 miles an hour. So we then use patented algorithms to intelligently connect to mobile network masts and towers in parallel. Because of this, it's possible for the router to switch from one tower or network to the next. For passengers, this means a faster, more reliable internet connection. Once you have a fast internet connection to the moving train, it's then distributed throughout each carriage along a network of access points, and these transmit the Wi-Fi hotspot picked up by passengers' individual smart devices.
0: Do trains need to be turned on to supply
3: Wi-Fi? Usually, yes. The passenger's Wi-Fi service requires power, and most systems on board a train require that the train is on in order to generate the power.
0: What kind of technical problems can cause you challenges? The
3: mobile networks that passenger Wi-Fi relies on were not generally designed with public transport in mind. Firstly, in their positioning. When mobile network operators plan the location of new masts, they prioritise population coverage over area coverage, and that's a challenge for trains travelling along routes that take them through more remote, rural environments. The second issue is the capacity of the networks. They weren't designed to handle the equivalent of a small town arriving in their area of coverage at 100 miles an hour, which is what a train does essentially, and leave again just as quickly. So we have to find a way to share a finite amount of bandwidth fairly between all of the passengers on board the train all hoping to use the service. This is why measures such as Wi-Fi session restrictions or content filtering of data heavy websites are put in place. We appreciate that some passengers want to use the Wi-Fi hotspot for video sharing or streaming videos but even at 720p resolution a two and a half minute trailer will consume 36 megabytes of data. That's roughly equivalent to the data needed to send 480 emails. So what's this
0: that you're showing me now?
3: So our operational teams have a variety of tools at their fingertips to monitor in real time the status of any of the, the solutions provided. So we can have it as a Google map, so we can have a representation there in terms of the number of uh, vehicles that are in service, those that are perhaps out of service for maintenance. Um, we need to understand that that but there's a nice visual for them to have a look at. And then we have a range of bar charts that show us throughput um, and alert the um, operational team to any issues, a bit like a traffic light system, you know, red, amber, green in, in, in simple terms.
0: So these problems, when they're reported, they do get looked at and resolved?
3: Yes, fixes can be applied over the air, so we don't necessarily have to stop a train to fix a fault. A lot of it can be delivered over the air. Also, we can send instructions to the fleet team to carry out some component changes, if necessary, overnight when the train's in depot.
0: What changes have you seen over the last uh, nine years?
3: I've seen massive changes. I've been with iComera now for eight years, and if I think about my first few months of traveling, uh, there was no Wi-Fi available for the area that I lived in, whereas now all my trains have Wi-Fi. I can be productive from the moment I get on the train to uh, when I arrive at the, the, the customer's premises. We call it digital chores, so it's not necessarily work-related. It means I can get some personal work done as well, so that could be shopping, it could be you know looking for holidays or anything like that. It just means I'm productive whilst whilst in transit.
0: Well, I found it really interesting going to meet iComir and, and learning about what they do and and how they respond as well to customer comments and when, when there are problems. Was there anything that stood out to you, George, from from that piece?
1: I guess particularly about the connectivity problems. We're doing quite a lot of work with iComir, and in fact, Alan is sponsoring some testing that's going on to to improve connectivity through routes other than mobile network operators. They're all very expensive, but we're testing them out, and I can mirror a feature quite strongly in that.
0: And Alan, did you enjoy the piece there?
2: I did. It's fascinating, isn't it, to think we've now got Wi-Fi on trains that are moving at 100 miles an hour, and we're trying to keep it connected. And it, it is probably one of the more complex and ambitious moves that the industry's made, probably in the last um, 10 years, really, because we forget it's relatively new. So I think it's it's really interesting. I suppose I've got queries for George on this in terms of. So we've put Wi-Fi on trains. We've now put entertainment on trains, which is great. So people can watch their favourite series and do bits. And And I think, for me, it's all about productivity. And it's about being able to depend upon the Wi-Fi. And this, this is, you know, I, I do I use the Wi-Fi for work when I'm travelling. And that's a bit customers are often talking to me about. It's about, you know, I, I want to depend on you. And sometimes with the, the Wi-Fi, they don't feel like they can. I mean... Do you see that we're going to improve this greatly in the next few years?
1: So I think there are two separate elements to this. There's the onboard Wi-Fi, which is a a network of its own. But that Wi-Fi network then needs to reach out to the internet, which is what most people log on to the Wi-Fi Mm -hmm. to do. And people will often say that the Wi-Fi isn't working, whereas in fact what they mean is I can connect to the Wi-Fi, but I can't connect to the internet. And that, Jenny from iCamera was talking about that mobile network connectivity, that is still quite sparse on some parts of our network.
2: And do you see us improving that, though? I mean, the, the, the projects we've got in place and the, the improvements we're seeking to make. Uh, when do you see this coming to fruition?
1: So one of the, one of the research projects is to see whether we can use networks other than the mobile network operators Now, that involves putting quite a lot of infrastructure of our own down the track. But iCamira have a product called Trackside, quite appropriately, and that feeds the train with an internet connection much more reliably than it can be done from a mobile network. But it's very expensive. What we're looking to do is to fill in gaps in the mobile network with Trackside connectivity so that passengers get a more
2: consistent, Connectivity experience throughout the journey. So, so George, I think we're obviously doing something right here. I mean, for the on-train Wi-Fi, gets around about one hundred and forty thousand users um, every four weeks. So it's a it's a real success story, um, and, and it's and it's new. You know, it's been introduced since twenty eleven. I suppose what's next? So, I mean, I'm hearing about five G. Is that on the horizon? Probably not for railways for quite
1: a long time because five G relies on lots of little antenna close together. Whereas what we use for 4G is is big antennas that cover a lot of a lot of area, so we're going to be reliant on 4G technology for some time uh, until the cities and and the larger populated areas are fully equipped with 5G.
2: But there is there is some so there's no 5G on the horizon just yet. But there's some there's some good news in terms of uh, further investment in Wi-Fi. Uh, Because there's a certain section of the fleet that's being upgraded, I think, as we speak?
1: Yes, because Chiltern was an early adopter of onboard Wi-Fi, we now have uh, a bit of an obsolescence problem. So the kit that was installed in the past is now coming up for refresh. So we're working our way through the fleet and upgrading that equipment. Whereas railway equipment generally lasts decades, IT equipment has a much shorter life. And we're looking to replace equipment every three to five years in IT.
2: OK, so that's really good news, though. So so customers should see an improvement on certain trains very soon? Yes,
1: yeah, certainly the, the Mark 3s are in the process of having that Wi-Fi upgraded. And there are other parts of the fleet due for
2: that probably next year. But so what's the benefit for the customer there? What will they see and feel?
1: Mostly around it's around capacity on the train. So passengers won't see a reduction In the Wi-Fi service, the more people connect to it, so it's more powerful. Also, in terms of storage and the variety of media that can be put on there, it's got a bigger capability in that area as well.
0: Well, our next question is still about Wi-Fi, actually, Uh, and this one's from High Wycombe.
1: Uh, My question is, why is there a problem with the Wi-Fi when you're in the stations? It seems to fight your 3G on your phone, and you have to turn the Wi-Fi off to be able to use... um, Use the internet.
0: So it's something I've definitely heard a lot about as well, where people want to be able to get off the train and still have Wi-Fi. What's going on, George? Is there a way, is there a fix that can solve this?
1: That customer's phone behaves that way because that's what phones do. When a phone looks for a connection, if it sees Wi-Fi, it will, it will pick that Wi-Fi connection to hook into before it looks for a 4G signal. It's making an assumption that if it gets onto a Wi-Fi connection, then it'll have more capacity, a more reliable connection. And generally, that's not a bad assumption to make, especially as on trains and on stations, we have Wi-Fi services that have a better chance of success than your phone in getting an internet signal. On the trains, we've got aerials on the roof, and in a station, we've got Wi-Fi which is pretty much like your Wi-Fi at home and connects into a a telephone line. So it's a good assumption to make, but unless you've registered into Chiltern's service, then it won't automatically connect you. If you're a registered Chiltern Wi-Fi user, then when you go onto the train or the station or you transition from one to the other, then the Wi-Fi will recognise you and all you have to do is acknowledge that you want to connect to it and it'll connect you to the Wi-Fi, which will give you a better signal. But you'll notice if you walk along the street with your phone, if you've got Wi-Fi switched on, then it will be constantly offering you whatever Wi-Fi service it can see um, because that's what phones are trained to do. But
0: it is possible then if you register to have a seamless experience?
1: It's not quite seamless, but it's quite easy. So as I said, whether you walk onto the station or the train... If you connect to the children Wi-Fi service, it'll recognise coming back and you just need to acknowledge it and then then you're connected for your journey.
2: So I think what's what's really good there, I think is noting the, uh, the gentleman's problem is we, we have Wi-Fi on every train and every station. So there's always the ability to connect anywhere in our network and I think that's really important because people don't want to be using all their own data and people want to be doing different things and I think it's really important that we give people that opportunity and focusing on how do we make that more seamless more reliable and quicker for people to use so I think there's a, there's some real positives across our estate here that if you're on a children train if you're on a children's station you can get online and you can do what you need to do
0: well we're moving away from wi-fi now and getting another question about improvement is there any plans to put more luggage facilities on the trains like more shelving or whatever for so that people can fit their suitcases on so a question from Bambury there, Alan, it must be a juggling act to provide seats and luggage facilities. Any improvements in the pipeline?
2: So we do have luggage facilities on trains. So one of the challenges we've probably got is letting people know where the luggage facilities are. These does differ on the different types of trains we run. So most trains have got overhead racks or at the end of um, aisles towards vegetables, we have facilities there. So It is available. On the shorter journeys, it's not. So we don't tend to really look to that any more than kind of stuff that would fit in the overhead rack. So in short, not at the moment. Uh, I I don't see any fundamental changes in that. However, I do think we probably could make more of what we've currently got because it's probably not a great understanding of what facilities we do have, and that's mainly for the longer journeys where people would need that. So I I think that's probably a challenge for myself really to take forward and say, okay, how do we make it more obvious and make people more aware before they board and where they can store their luggage?
0: Well, f- thanks for expanding on that. This next question is from a gentleman in Aylesbury.
2: I've noticed all the changes that are ringing on locally, one of which has
1: been the addition of, all singing or dancing, ticket machines, which seem to be terribly inefficient to me. I press buttons and nothing happens. Uh, so I go to the ticket office to buy a ticket, then I can't buy a ticket for the car park there, so I have to go back to the
2: machine. I don't think the machines work very well, basically. Um, and it's it's just very impersonal. I'd just rather deal with a person, but there you go.
0: So quite a lot of different things covered in that one. Alan, is there any advice that you would have for this customer or other customers who are finding the machines hard to use?
2: Well, firstly I, I recognise what he's saying. I think I think it's spot on. We we purchased a new fleet of machines, probably about twelve months ago now or just over. and we've made multiple changes to try and make them easier for customers to use i think if we're if we're honest the last change has probably made it a bit more complex we're addressing that as we speak so the big difference in these ticket machines that we've got now is that you can pretty much buy nearly every ticket previously the old machines that we had were really for only tickets on the day at that point of travel so we've we're trying to give more options but with more options it's become a bit more complex so i I met with a team last week to go through this and say, well we must simplify this option can't take so many questions to get to the end point that the customer wants so we've we've gone through the kind of workflow of screens so we've gone through each screen that it takes to get to a ticket and we've said well that's too many so we're now going through the process of saying okay this is how many we want this is how easy we want to make it and I think at the end of this the customer if he he tried them again in a few months would see would feel a very different experience and, and that's where we want to be on this so absolutely get his point I think it's really fair but it's not something that we're not aware of, and we're making that change now.
0: And he also added about buying car park on the machines... That's something that I do from a, a Chiltern station and buy my car parking. That is the same for all machines, isn't it? You can buy your, your your car parking ticket on the machine.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You can buy car parking from the machines. Yeah, so you can enter your reg for how long you want to be there. And, and it's an all in one purchase, so...
0: You don't need to go back to the car either.
2: No, it just saves so much time. So the idea was you could, you could walk into the station, pay for your car parking, purchase your ticket, and then travel. So it, it's aiming at that seamless experience for customers when travelling through. And really to note, I think... Because it's quite newish technology and we'll be doing upgrades on this, trying to make it easier, uh, sometimes it does take a while to get the bugs out of the system, and that's unfortunate. It's probably taking us as long, but I, but I feel we've got the machines are, are reliable uh, and they can do a lot more things for our customers and just meet a lot more needs. So I'm hoping that people will see a difference over the next few months.
0: I suppose there's one final point to note on his question. If you do like speaking to a member of staff, that's still, that option is still there for you if you don't want to use the machines
2: yeah we've got many ways of buying a ticket and we and we do it so it meets your needs so you could go onto our website and the app and that enables you to do it at any point so you could do it much earlier you can use the machines at the station we still have our people at our stations so if you do want that personalized advice from someone they're always there and they they're they're always really willing to help and Yeah, there's many options for people and it's really tailored around what you want.
0: So how do you see the future of ticketing to make it a bit more easier for customers?
2: The big changes, and they're already in place, but gathering momentum is all really using technology. Uh, Instead of carrying paper tickets around, what you'll see now is uh, tickets that you carry on your phone or smart cards that we've recently introduced. And I think this really takes the pain out of it because you're either carrying it on a a card that you already hold, or you're carrying it around on a device that you already have. And that just makes it a lot easier to purchase your tickets and just carry it around with you.
0: And finally, it's fingers on the buzzers for this one from Haddenham.
1: What was the first railway line in the UK?
0: Great question there. And obviously one that's going to come up in a pub quiz this week. And as a result of your answer people will either get it right or wrong so no pressure from this does any of you know the answer to it
2: yeah, now i'm not 100 percent sure but i remember when we researched into when we opened between london and oxford and we had to research the the, the, the lines that were open between uh, two major british cities um so i think it might be liverpool and manchester but uh, but i'm not 100 percent confident on that do you know I don't know. Well, we'll have to we'll have to leave that hanging in the air then and we'll have oh. to uh, we'll have to let listeners come back to us and tell me if I'm right or not there. So I'm I'm not 100% but I'm pretty confident it was
0: Someone's bound to know. So one listener will know the answer to it. I'm this. sure
2: I'm sure someone will correct me because I'm probably not right. So uh, I'm sure they'll come back to us on that.
0: Well, yeah, if you do know the answer to it, please get in touch with us. Well, that's it for this episode. Tune in next time for our final episode of the series and it's all about working for Chiltern Railways. Remember, you can let us know what you think about this programme by tweeting at Chiltern Railway or by leaving a review. Until next time, goodbye.
1: Goodbye. Bye.